Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 240. Today, I want to talk to you about the Sea of Galilee and its fishermen in the New Testament. I'll share with you about the times that it's used in the Older Testament, but I want to talk about the sea itself. You see, the Sea of Galilee is really a freshwater lake. Most of the people that I take to Israel, when they get there, unless someone has taught them differently, they believe that it is an inland sea, a saltwater sea, because that is how it's presented in the West, and especially in the commentaries that are written by men who have never been to Israel or studied under someone who has been to Israel. So I want to familiarize you with the sea that is called the Sea of Galilee. The word yam is the word in Hebrew for a freshwater lake or a sea or what we would call a tank. All of that has the same word yam. The Jewish people, the Israelis in particular, call it yam canaret. The word canaric comes from the root word kanor. Kanor is a harp, a harp like David's harp. If you look at a map from space of the Sea of Galilee, or you look in the back of your Bibles at the geography and the maps that deal with the Galilee, if you look at it, it looks like a harp that we would call the harp of David. And most of what happened in the New Testament and 75% of the miracles that Jesus did that are recorded that he did on earth. He did around that northwest quadrant of the Sea of Galilee from Magdala, which is near Mount Arbel, all the way around to what would be called Susita or Hippus, which was one of the cities of the Decapolis, one of the 10 Roman city-states, Greek city-states that made up what was called the Decapolis. The nine are on the eastern side of the Jordan, only Bethshan is on the eastern side, and it is at the mouth of the Jezreel Valley to the east. But from Susita all the way around to Magdala, that is where most of the miracles that Jesus did in the Bible are recorded. Now, it's interesting that the lake at its widest point is about seven and a half miles wide. It is approximately 14 miles long. And at its widest point, somewhere would have been where Jesus would have come walking from the southern Golan Plateau, where he would have been praying all night, having sent his disciples across the water after the great miraculous events that took place. And it was there that he came walking on the water. And the Bible says they were in the midst of the sea, in the middle of the sea. And so Jesus would have been about three and a half miles out as he crossed over and got in the boat with his disciples. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is to just give you a frame of reference. The Sea of Galilee is fresh water. Its main tributary is the Jordan River, which starts in the north up on the Syrian-Lebanese border, and it is made up of three different streams. The Dan River, where it gets part of its name, is 
the main tributary, and you can go to Dan, the city of Dan today, the ruins of Tel Dan, and you can see the Jordan River flowing swift like a mountain stream in the Smoky Mountains. Then you have the Schneer River, and then you have the Banyas, and those three make up the main tributaries for the Jordan River, and they flow downward all the way to the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake on Earth, and it's somewhere around 680 to 700 feet below sea level. That is the level of the Mediterranean, which is not too far away. Now, the towns around the lake, uh, that northwest quadrant uh, specifically, that are of great importance, starts at Mount Arbel on the west. It is a huge mountain. It has a valley below it, which is uh, like a great ravine, a wadi, and that's called the Valley of the Doves or the Wadi of the Doves. And this is the way Jesus would have made his way from uh, Magdala, where Mary came from, all the way to Nazareth. And as he would come out into that valley, the Gennesaret Valley, he would make his way north and start around the lake, and he would come to Heptapagon, which is in Arabic really uh, made common and, and mispronounced, Tagpa. And that is where those of you who have been with me, that's where the primacy of Peter is located, and that's where I usually take you down the lake and talk to you about Jesus appearing after his resurrection. It was the third time that he had appeared to his disciples and he fixed breakfast for them. I take you out and we would walk out where you could get down to the water. Well, now because the Sea of Galilee is full, like it would have been during the days of Jesus, I call that the landing, not the primacy of Peter, because you will see steps there that date back to the Roman period and that's where the boats would have been hitched up. There's a church over that now, but in that church there is a flat place, no doubt where Jesus would have likely built a fire and called out to his disciples to come and eat and to come and dine with him. So you have this great episode in the Gospel of John, the last chapter where Jesus asked Peter, does he love him? And he does that three times. And so all of this happened around the lake. As you go farther north, you come to Capernaum, just about two kilometers away, just about a mile and a half north of there. It's at these crossroads here of these two places where most of the ministry of Jesus took place. Heptapagon is the place of seven springs. Different intensities of saline come out of those springs. Many of them are fresh water, and this is where the fish would have come at the shoals there, and that's where the saining would have taken place. And there's little coves all in between that mile and a half stretch up to Capernaum from uh, Heptapagon. And just above it would have been uh, the place where we would go, where the Sermon on the Mount took place, or where it would have likely taken place in that theater that is there, natural theater, that looks toward Hippus when you are seated. That's why I believe that Hippus, Susita would have been the city set on a hill across the lake that the people would have seen every night. That's why Jesus used the illustrations that he did. Just off of the lake and about a half a mile off the lake is Chorazin. It's up in the hills overlooking the lake, has a beautiful view. Then come back to the shore and make your way north where the Sea of Galilee runs into, or the Jordan River runs into the Sea of Galilee. That is where you would have found Bethsaida, the house of the hunter. 
That's what Bethsaida means. And it's not game hunter as in game, as in deer and other animals, but it is in game fishing because it was a fishing village. Five of the disciples came from that one town, Bethsaida. There were uh, Andrew and Peter. They grew up there. And then the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and then Philip, five from Bethsaida. So it's a very important village. As now you're on the eastern side where Bethsaida would have been just across the Jordan, you're on the other side now. And if you keep going around the lake, circumnavigating it, then you're going to come to Kersey. It's just up the road north of Susita or Hippus, this great Decapolis city. And you will find tombs in the sides of the hill right near the Sea of Galilee. More than likely, that is where the demoniac would have been. And he had a legion of demons inside of him, just like the legions, the Roman legions that would march on that road that led uh, north to south, going down to Hamat Gadar, which was the hot springs at the southern end to the east, the southeast end of the Sea of Galilee. Then you meet the Jordan River again, and then you go uh, west just a bit and turn north again, and you're at the hot spring city of Tiberias, where the hot springs are still bubbling up there, and you can go and enjoy the hot springs and the pools of the hotels that are there and the spas. Now, the reason I'm doing this is simply to refresh those of you who have been, and for those of you who are not, maybe you could just follow what I just did on your map in the back of your Bible. Maybe look at Israel or the geography of the Galilee during the days of Jesus. Now, I'm saying all of that to say that we need to familiarize ourselves with the geography of the Holy Land, and specifically, we need to do that in relation to the Galilee, because that's where Jesus spent most of his ministry. He trained his disciples there. Yes, he didn't train them in the city. Our strategy today is train in the city. We've got to get them into the city. That's not the strategy of Jesus. The New Testament strategy is to get off into a quiet place where you can build relationships, where you can get out and and, uh, you can feel the breeze in the air of the open country, where you can walk and have the exercise that you need, where you can see sights and and you can smell smells and, and you can hear things and see things and your senses are in overload and uh, you can get to know one another and this is where the relationships form and by the way Christianity is at its essence a relationship a relationship with God a relationship with others with his people and this is why Jesus chose the Galilee I'm satisfied of that because he wanted to build relationships and to teach them that all discipleship all discipleship in the Bible is relational in its essence. It's not about finishing so many hours of a course. It's not so much about getting an education as we think of formal schooling. No, it's about relationships and getting to know God. And the quietness and the solitude of the Bible are very important. And you can have that still today around the Galilee. That's why I'm wanting to build the Institute, the Center for Holy Land Studies in the Galilee. Because if Jesus 
Jesus thought that was an important place to train people. We in the West should think it's a very important place to train people. And if you want to know how you can get involved in that, and if you'd like to get involved in it, then you just write me at questions at TonyCrisp.org. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Well, I'm going to talk more about the Galilee and the fish and about how the fish were caught, what were the species of the fish, how were they treated once they were caught, how were they bought and sold, how were they taxed. We're going to learn all about that this week as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.